We haven't had many Airbnb guys on, but I got a guy who I'll kind of get in the story later has helped me out a ton when it comes to actually creating Future Flipper. I, and I always got to give props where props are due. This guy, Future Flipper wouldn't be what it is today without his help. And now he is helping tons of people with his Airbnb program, set up their own Airbnbs, do Airbnb arbitrage and a whole bunch of other stuff. I got none other than my good buddy, Jorge Contreras. You said that pretty good. I know. I tried. I, <laughs> I tried to say it because every time I hear you say it, I'm like, okay, I don't want to just say it like us. how the white guys say it. I know. I don't intentionally say like that, but when people say, what's your name again? And I'm like, Jorge Contreras. Like, can, you, can you say that again? Like, Jorge. <laughs> can't say it. Jorge Contreras. All right. So, bro, um, tell everyone what you did, dude. I teach people how to create Airbnb empires with or without owning real estate. I always try to get people to make it their ultimate goal to own as much, especially now with, you know, learning about all the cost egg and how you can make all your other incomes tax free. And, uh, but at least for my audience, it's really like new entrepreneurs who are, maybe this is their first business. Their goal is to replace your nine to five. So a lot of them are starting with the arbitrage model yeah. to first accomplish that. Then once they get out of the nine to five, then they start buying to create long-term wealth. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, it's a great way to get started, you know, as a side hustle and yeah. then eventually become the main hustle for Absolutely. sure. So, yeah, I want to, before we dive into just the ins and outs of arbitrage and um, everything else, you know, I, I've never actually talked about arbitrage on, I think, any of my um, podcast or any of my YouTubes because I'm always about buying real estate, sure. right? And um, I do think that arbitrage is actually a good way to make money. What's been your experience with Airbnb? How did you get into it? Yeah, great question. So I started buying real estate in 2012. And then in uh, in my previous din- uh, business that I started when I was 20, 15 years ago, I was a professional dance instructor. So I used to teach bachata. You ever heard of that dance? I remember you telling me that. I don't know what yeah, it is, it's though. A, it's a sensual partner dance from the Dominican Republic. A lot of people that dance also dance bachata. My wife long, would know. She was, <laughs> she was a dancer. Oh, cool. Yeah. So long story short, I you know traveled to 25 plus countries being like a dance coach, coaching other coaches. So I've always been like a teacher and a coach at heart. That's what I've been doing pretty much my entire adult life. Right. And um, in 2016, one of my dance students told me that her two duplexes in Fresno were making 3x her mortgage. I was like, what? Doing this Airbnb thing. So I had a bunch of leases that were ending at the end of 2016. So in March of 2017, I launched my first four Airbnbs on properties that I already own. I went from making 6K a month with those four to 14K a month, right? 1,500, 3,500. And at the time, I was kind of like stuck in this dance business where I was running the business like a J-O-B, trading time for money. And I'm like, man, I was running this nightclub. I had these two dance festivals, <laughs> thousand plus people, but I was up to like four in the morning, almost every day working like 14 hour days Crazy. and ended up just really overworking myself. Cause you know, I believe we're always doing things in order to validate our beliefs to be true. And one of my beliefs back then was that hard work equals success. And so I was basically working super hard to create, you know, quote unquote success. And I ended up herniating a disc in my back mm. and Went from not being able to work out, not running, not jogging, not walking. The next thing you know, I'm laying on the floor and I didn't even have health insurance. My wife's like, all right, we got to go to Mexico. So I went to Mexico, TJ, and I got a back surgery in my Mm. L5S1. The doctor said it was a 50-50 chance I'd ever walk again. Mm. So that that happened in 2012. And I was like, man, I need to figure out a way to 
make an income where I don't have to be like trading time for money. And that's where this whole passive income thing was born. Um, so long story short, in 20, March of 2017, I launched this four, first four Airbnbs, created a multiple six-figure business. 2018, I uh, launched a coaching business. And then in 2019, I had a student. Uh, at the time, all my students were buying property and doing Airbnb. And she's a single mom of two kids. She had the income, but not the credit. So she couldn't get qualified for a loan. But she was so committed to creating time freedom. She wanted to spend more time with their kids. I'm like, look, if you get started, like I will find a way to help you create this time freedom so you can, you know, quit your nine to five and spend more time with your kids. So long story short, I, I was learning a little bit about this arbitrage strategy. I helped her get a lease, even though I hadn't done it yet. I was just committed to helping her. And that just opened up my eyes. I'm like, man, this is just a cash flow play. So then me and my partner went and launched like seven of our own subleases and then took all that cash flow and then started buying real estate. Mm. So, you know, now we have a portfolio of like $8 million all just in single family. Uh, mostly me and my wife own them, but that's really how the journey began. And now it's like nine out of 10 of my students start with the arbitrage model. So I thought, uh, because a lot, so a lot of students actually started using FHA loans and started to do Airbnb and that's, you know, mortgage fraud. Yeah, you don't do that. So, <laughs> so I, was, I was speaking to my buddy who was doing all the loans and I'm like, dude, we can get in trouble for this. You know? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. We can get in trouble. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, well, what's going to happen to my coaching business? Everyone's buying and doing that. And so I thought that was going to be the end of it. I wasn't going to be able to coach people anymore. The coaching business was going to go out of business. Mm -hmm. And then this arbitrage thing just exploded and my business like 10 x so yeah. it ended up becoming uh, just the next big thing. Right, right. And for those of you, you know, looking at FHA loans and stuff, I mean, this, <laughs> let, me, let me just preface this and say, obviously, we don't, neither of us condone mortgage fraud, yeah. okay? But I've done YouTube videos before where I've said, look, there's, there's a great strategy of buying a house with an FHA loan. Obviously, like the, the intent of what you buy the house for is what it is judged on for mortgage fraud, right? right? circumstances in life change. You know, if you go and live in it for six months, a year, and you're like, look, I want to go buy another house. There's yeah. nothing anyone can say to you, right? Like at the end of the day, you wanted to live in it when you bought it, you, you know, did. And now you're going to go buy something else and you're going to go make it a rental. Totally cool. So for those of you who might be scared by that and what he's saying, you know, as long as your intent is to live in the home, you'll be fine. Now, if you buy it and your intent right from the get-go is I'm airbnb this, I'm yep. never going to live in it, then yes, you are committing mortgage fraud and right. exactly. it's on you. So uh, that that's just want to give clarity on that. What are some things to look for with this? I mean, I imagine you don't want to be in HOAs. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The only place I've seen that's like HOA friendly is like Florida, most of Florida, but almost anywhere else, you got to run. I feel like HOA communities are like... Um, which just is not very friendly towards short-term rentals. They make their own rules. Yeah, which is why you stay away from apartments right. and condos and those things. Right, because even even if the city says you can get a permit, the HOA can say, well, we don't allow, period. Mm -hmm. But there's really like three three main components. Um, it's data, regulation, and the contract, right? So when it comes to the data, it's like looking at comps. So we use AirDNA to look at projected revenues. We use MashVisor to look at current revenue and occupancy of any Airbnb in the US, AirDNA works, works worldwide. And that's how we know if there's a lot of potential, if there's already properties making the expected returns that you want. 
Right. And then two, which is also very important, it's probably the first place I would start is regulation, making sure that the city yeah. would allow you to get a permit. Vegas, Vegas sucks, man. I'm sure yeah, you Vegas get students sucks. in Vegas all the yeah. time that are just like, what do I do? They're like, I want to do it in Vegas, but I can't do it in Vegas. And I know for a while I had a ton of students in Henderson, but now it looks like they're doing this lottery system. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible. So difficult. Yeah, yeah, it's basically like impossible. I spoke to the, what are the Bokley brothers? Bokley brothers, yeah. And uh, they have like five properties that they're going to sell because- yep. They can't do it anymore. Right. So yeah, regulation is super, super important. I, I used to go into a lot of areas where you didn't even need a permit, but then when and if they implement a regulation, it could totally be out of your favor, kind of like Henderson. So I, right now I feel the safest place and the only place people should go is where you can get a permit, where it's regulated. They say, get a permit. Here are the rules. Just just Boom. follow the rules. Just follow the rules. I, I've, I can say that too. So I have my Airbnbs in Big Bear. Um, we have 10 units. And, you know, we just have had issues over issues whenever yeah. we don't follow the rules. <laughs> like I've been fined $8,000, like on a fine, you know, on one fine, on one fine wow. multiple times. Wow. And some were justified. Some were not. <laughs> but, you know, even the ones that were not, it's still the, the way they do it. They're like, you have to pay your eight grand and then you can appeal. Right. That's crazy. I'm like, this is stupid. And it was totally unjustified. Guilty until proven innocent. Yep. Yep. Terrible. And, um. I think on the big fines, we've always gotten them back, but you know, I've gotten little fine, little fines, a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks for dude. I don't even know. I don't, I can't even remember. Like, but what what's happened with Big Bear, and this is what someone needs to pay attention to too, is like what is the trend of regulation doing too? Because when I first got into Big Bear in 2017, it was very different than it is today. Right. Like they're trying to go harder and harder yeah. and harder and limit. It seems like everyone wants to limit. Right. What do you, what do you think about that? Like how, what's the play for Airbnb long-term? What do you think these cities and regulations are going to do? I think a lot of cities, what I'm seeing right now, there's a couple of cities that are doing something similar, uh, where they're doing like these lottery systems and they're going to give X amount of permits. So for example, in San Diego, they're going to allow 1% of all inventory in San Diego to be a short-term rental. But if you're on the beach, which is like mission beach, 30%. Of the inventory can be short-term rentals uh long beach did something similar la anaheim so i think a lot of cities are going to say all right i'm going to allow like one to five percent or one to three percent of inventory because i understand i mean if you're in a residential area they don't want all the properties to be short-term rentals and then you know it'll just make the housing situation shortage uh situation even more challenging yeah it's tough man because i i'm trying to look at it from an objective point of view. And I've thought a lot about this, you know, on one hand, as a capitalist, I'm like free market, absolutely. Whoever wants to buy it, buys it. You know, that is what it is. On the other hand, you know, I think about quality of life of people and I agree if you, if you have a house and everyone around you is Airbnb being a property, it's like, (laughs) you probably don't want to live there. Right. But then I think about it and I say, well, okay, if you did allow capitalism to do what it does, and that does happen in certain neighborhoods, well, you know, you can sell, you can right. move, and go to an HOA where there's no Airbnb allowed, right. period. Right. You know? And that's that's kind of how I, I'm starting to think about it. I'm like, nobody makes anyone live anywhere. If you if you don't like that everything around you is turning into rentals and Airbnbs, move and, yeah. and go to an HOA where it's totally Right. Not not allowed. Yeah, I think 
what recently Airbnb implemented a new policy where they're like banning all types of parties, which is great. We've never allowed parties or events and we have like quiet hours and all this stuff because these are the people that disturb the neighbor, the neighbors anyway. So we really cater to like professionals, nurses, corporate housing, uh, people that are using our properties to relocate if they had some type of damage. Uh, we've even had people, uh, government bookings for, um, people that were seeking like political asylum from their country, just all <laughs> kinds of stuff, you know? Um, but people that really just want to have a party, like we've always been against that. Like we don't like it. We know it's not good for the neighborhoods. We want to create for a your property. relationship. Exactly. It's <laughs> not good for your property. So now that they've banned that and now you have, to, you know, in a lot of areas, you actually have to be 25 or older to book on Airbnb, which I think is great because most of the time people that throw parties are under the 25. Idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes sense. Well, I'm, that's good that it's legal that they can do that. I mean, I guess driving a rental car is the same way. 